Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning. Welcome everyone to Manna for Breakfast. It's 79 degrees here in beautiful Puerto Vallarta. We are under a tropical cyclone warning, I guess, or some type of watch for today. We'll see if it has any effect on us. Doesn't look too bad out there right now. Just a little overcast. Had some heavy rain last night, though, the first really heavy rain uh, we've had. So we'll see how, how this pans out, if we get more rain or not. But, uh, sorry about the radio, still off. I'm fighting with something, trying to get it to work. I'll hopefully, hopefully get it figured out this morning. We'll keep working on it. But anyway, thanks for your patience if you like listening to the music. But we will just go right into uh, the reading. We'll do at least a couple of dad jokes. And, and uh, there wasn't a lot interesting on this day in history of trivia, so I just thought um, we'll, we'll skip today. But I did find one interesting comment on the webpage. Um, why did Beethoven get rid of his chickens? Because all they said was, bok, bok, bok. <laughs> did you hear about the guy who got hit in the head with a can of soda. He was lucky it was a soft drink. I guess so. Um, Okay, I think we can move on into the reading for this morning. So find your way to 2 Samuel, if you will, and we will pray and look into the Word this morning. Thank you, Father, for this morning, and give us uh, open eyes, open hearts for the things that you want to show us Guide us in, Father, in these readings. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Samuel chapter 15. Now it came about after this that Absalom provided for himself a chariot of horses and 50 men as runners before him. Absalom used to raise, rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. And when any man had a suit to come to the king, For judgment, Absalom would call for him and say, From what city are you? And he would say, Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom would say to him, See, your claims are good and right, but no man listens to you on the part of the king. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that one would appoint me judge over the land. Even every man who has any suit or cause could come to me, and I would give him justice. When a man came near to prostrate himself before him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom dealt with all Israel who would come to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole away the hearts of the men of Israel. Now it came about at the end of 40 years that Absalom said to the king, Please let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed to the Lord in Hebron. For your servant vowed a vow while I was living in Geshur in Aram, saying, If the Lord shall indeed bring me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. The king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom is king in Hebron. Then two hundred men went with Absalom from Jerusalem, who were invited, and went innocently And they did not know anything. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, 
the Gilonite and David's counselor from his city in Gilo while he was offering the sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong for the people increased continually with Absalom. Verse 13, then a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. And David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, arise, let us flee. For otherwise, none of us will escape from Absalom. Go in haste or he will overtake us quickly and bring down calamity on us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. Then the king's servants said to the king, behold, your servants are ready to do whatever my lord the king chooses. So the king went out and all his household with him. But the king left ten concubines to keep the house. The king went out and all the people with him, and they stopped at the last house. Now all his servants passed on beside him, all the Cherethites and all the Pelethites and all the Gittites, 600 men who had come with him from Gath passed on before the king. Then the king said to Ittai the Gittite, why will you also go with us? Return and remain with the king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile. Return to your own place. You came only yesterday, and shall I make you wander with us while I go where I will? Return and take back your brother's mercy and truth be with you. But Ittai answered the king and said, As the Lord lives and as my Lord the king lives, surely Wherever my lord the king may be, uh, whether for death or for life, there also your servant will be. Therefore David said to Ittai, Go and pass over. So Ittai, the Gittite, passed over with all his men and all the little ones who were with him. And while all the country was weeping with a loud voice, all the people passed over. And the king also passed over the brook Kidron, and all the people passed over towards the way of the wilderness. Now behold, Zadok also came and all the Levites with him carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. And they set down the Ark of God. And Abiathar came up until all the people had finished passing from the city. And the king said to Zadok, Return the Ark of God to the city. If I find favor in the sight of the Lord, then he will bring me back again and show me both it and his habitation. But if he should say thus, I have no delight in you, behold, here I am, let him do to me as seems good to him. The king also said to Zadok the priest, Are you not a seer? Return to the city in peace, and your two sons with you, your son Ahamaz and Jonathan the son of Abiathar. See, I am going to wait at the fords of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. Therefore Zadok and Abiathar returned the ark of God to Jerusalem and remained there. And David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went, and his head was covered as he walked barefoot. Then all the people who were with him each covered his head and went up weeping as they went. Now someone told David, saying, Ethophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, make the counsel of Ethophel foolish. It happened as David was coming to the summit where God was worshipped, that, behold, Hushai, the archite, met him with his coat torn and dust on his head. David said to him, If you pass over with me, then you will be a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I have been your father's servant in time past, so I will now be your servant, then you can thwart the counsel Ahithophel for me. 
are not Zadok and Abiathar the priest with you there? So it shall be that whatever you hear from the king's house, you shall report it to Zadok and Abiathar the priest. Behold, their two sons are with them, Ahimaaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son, and by them you shall send me everything that you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, came to the city of David, and Absalom came into Jerusalem. So now the intrigue further develops and begins between David and his son, and it is quite uh, kind of like a spy thriller in one sense. You have David developing his spies within Jerusalem. You have Absalom um, taking over the country by a coup by his political powers of persuasion and uh, no no record of Absalom trying to lead the people in righteousness. None of th- nothing that he's doing is trying to guide the people towards God, only himself, which sounds a lot like Saul, doesn't it? He wants the people to come after him. He wants the power now. And he has walked away from any kind of knowledge of Yahweh that he ever had. He's just wanting to take control. David, interesting, uh, it's interesting that he's not going to rally his troops. I mean, he's in Jerusalem, and Absalom's gone. You would think he could find everybody loyal and shut the gates and get ready for a battle. But he does a strategic retreat, because he doesn't want to fight his son, just like he doesn't want to fight Saul. He didn't want to fight Saul. He wants the Lord to fight his battles. And it's very interesting how he's wise enough to know that this is not a time to try and strategically engage in a battle. Instead, he says, I'm just going to go off. And obviously, he knew that, that Absalom had, had won most everybody, so he knew that his numbers were smaller than Absalom's. But again, he's in Jerusalem. It's a fortified, and the city of David was very fortified. He would have had a very good chance with a smaller army uh, defending uh, against his son and his army. But he didn't want to, so he goes out and is, I guess, really in one sense saying, Lord, you got to deal with this because I don't know how to deal with my son. <laughs> and that that should be um, familiar to some of us when we are now adults and we've loved our kids and we've uh, done the best to raise them and sometimes they come back on us and attack us. Fortunately for us, not physically, hopefully, but um, hopefully they're not trying to overtake everything you own. But there is this there is a time where you do a strategic retreat and that for us may not be moving out of our house and running out of the city but it it may just be kind of pulling back a little bit from confronting what's happening with them and uh trying to you know defend ourselves against their attacks pulling back and praying for them i know some of you have wayward sons of prodigals and whether they be guys or girls and how do you deal with that it needs a lot of guidance from the lord a lot of prayer and a lot of patience and david does this and he does not want to he does not want to engage in battle with his son who does who wants to engage in battle with their kids so we ask the lord to fight that battle and ask him to guide us and um and if it takes, uh, maybe maybe we do take a vacation and say, I'm just going to 
go off for a while and pray about this and, and uh, wait until, you know, <laughs> God gives you some direction. All right, let's move on to Psalm 3 and 4. O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying to my soul, there's no deliverance in him, in God. There's no deliverance for him in God. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. Selah. I lay down in sleep. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of 10,000 people who have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. Selah. Psalm 4. Evening prayer of trust in God for the choir director. String the instruments of Psalm of David. Answer me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. The sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach? How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many are saying, who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us. O Lord, you have put gladness in my heart. More than when their gain and their new wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Psalm 12. For the choir director upon the eight-stringed lyre. A Psalm of David. Help, O Lord, for the godly man ceases to be, for your faithful disappear from among the sons of men. They speak falsehood to, to one another with flattering lips, and with a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all the flattering lips, the tongue that speak great things, who have said, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Besides the devastation of the afflicted because of the groaning of the needy. Now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace on the earth refined seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will preserve him from this generation forever. The wicked strut about on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. Now, those are Psalms of David. When were they written? We don't know. But could he have written one, two, or all of these when he was fleeing from Absalom? Absolutely. Could have been when he was fleeing from Saul. But it's certainly possible that he sees that there are wicked men out there using their lips to flatter people. It would fit in uh, with what Absalom was doing. And, of course, his group of men that were winning over the people going tribe by tribe. But he still, in all of this, says, I'm going to rejoice in you. I'm going to follow you. You're going to be my God. And what man is, can survive? He says, you look for the righteous. The righteous 
will offer up their sacrifice to you. And, and he knew that God would receive and revive and use the righteous, and he would deal with those who were deceivers. David had an amazing understanding of the way God worked, probably because of his own sin and how many times that he blew it. And he saw God's continual mercy when he would cry out to him and bring him back into being right with him, or as we call it, righteous. Acts chapter 4. As they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They laid their hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men who came to be about 5,000. The next day, the rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem, and Annas, the high priest, was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for the benefit done to this sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, by which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer one with another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God, to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. Verse 22, For the man was more than 40 years old, whom this miracle of healing had performed. When they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they had heard this, they lifted up their voices to God on one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people devise futile things? 
The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak the word of God with boldness. Verse 32, And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonged to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. Now, Joseph, the Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas, by the apostles, which translated means sons of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And we'll stop there, and we'll continue on with that story tomorrow. And so begins now this great outreach, the pouring outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the outreach of the Gentiles, what they had been really commissioned to do, second chapter of Acts, as the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church, and the church is born now Peter finds himself in front of the council and he's proclaiming to them again boldly this amazing uh, pastor has this and just lets the Holy Spirit speak through him and he just boldly tells these guys you were the ones that killed your Messiah and it's by his power and his name this man has been healed that's not a message that you want to take to somebody with a lot of authority and a lot of power unless you are walking in the spirit of God because those same people that sent Jesus to the cross could send you to the cross, which is what's going to happen with Peter eventually. But it's, it's uh, quite astounding that these, these hard-hearted Pharisees could not rejoice in the healing of this man because it messed up their religious system. And that's the problem with religion. You get so dogmatic in things that you have no ability to operate outside of that and it caused them to be blind to what the scripture really taught this is why it's very important that we continually look into the bible look into doctrine and study the bible to see if the things we're doing are biblical i kind of touched on that last night uh, regarding worship we have to see are these things biblical or not and if they're not, then we have to th- rethink, is this what, Lord, you want me to do? Or, and in their case, of course, it wasn't so much practice or doctrine of, of um, in our understanding. They were, up, they were focused on the law, and they would not accept that God was doing a completed work through the law, that God had always p- planned to bring a law to its, to its logical fulfillment through the coming of Jesus Christ. They didn't want to see that because it meant that it would threaten their positions. And here's this, he says, uh, 
No doubt there's, we can't deny there's been a notable miracle now that I'm getting older. Boy, do I, I see that as a notable miracle. A guy's been crippled since his birth. He's 40 years old and he can leap up and his legs are completely strong and he can stand straight. You know how we are after, I'm just after 10 minutes of sitting down, especially if I'm sitting on the ground, like with my legs crossed and I try and get up. It's a very slow process. And I have to kind of slowly uh, straighten out my body and then try and walk. This guy's 40 years and Peter just pulls him up. His legs were super energized, were not just healed. I mean, he was, the nerve endings were not just healed, but the muscles, the muscle growth was instantaneous and the muscle growth was 100% strength into that. And plus the the coordination between the brain and the the legs. He had never learned to walk if, if he was crippled from birth. And how did he get up and start walking if he had never learned to walk? So there was a healing on so many levels in this man's life. And obviously the greatest healing was him going into the temple and worshiping and praising God and yielding his life 100% over to him. That's the power of the gospel. And that's what these Pharisees were not liking because they didn't understand how great the grace of God was. They were caught in their own religious, their own religious system had entrapped them and blinded them as it is still today. And of course, this is why we still pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters. I mean, we pray for them because the enemy has blinded their eyes, just like so many people, even in the Protestant church, are blinded. The people in the Catholic church, religion, if you're caught up in a religious system, it really, really blinds you. My parents brought up in the Episcopal system had a very dogmatic way to do church and a very dogmatic approach to everything. And it was so empty for the most part. I know there's born-again people in the Episcopal church, praise God, but the the system and the liturgy is so dead that people go there and they have no understanding of the Bible and no real interest in knowing the Bible. They just want to see candles, priests, incense and do a religious service so somehow they feel better they feel like they've done something they need to do they have to the religious work side of they've done their their obligation well let's look over see what charles spurgeon has to say about all of this the enemy frustrated therefore thus saith the lord concerning the king of assyria he shall not come into the city nor shoot an arrow there nor come before it with shield nor cast a bank against it. Second Kings 19.32 Neither did Sennacherib molest the city. He had boasted loudly, but he could not carry out his threats. The Lord is able to stop the enemies of his people in the very act. When the lion has the lamb between the jaws, the great shepherd of the sheep can rob him of his prey. Our extremity only provides an opportunity for the grander display of divine power and wisdom. In the case before us, the terrible foe did not put in an appearance before the city which he thirsted to destroy. No annoying arrow could be shot over the walls, and no besieging engines could he put to work to batter down the castles. 
and no banks could he cast up to shut in the inhabitants. Perhaps in our case also, the Lord will prevent our adversaries from doing us the least harm. Certainly he can alter their intentions and render their designs so abortive that they will gladly forego them. Let us trust in the Lord and keep his way, and he will take care of us. Yea, he will fill us with wondering praise as we see the perfection of his deliverance. So there you have Charles Spurgeon just saying we can put complete confidence in the Lord in anything that we're going through if we're feeling like we're coming under attack. Um, that's a really good thing to know. When the enemy is at your door and you feel the threats coming at you, uh, know that God is there and he's willing to protect and at the last second come through. That seems to be the sense of it. And that's a really wonderful thing to know and to remember and dwell on. Knowing he is powerful to do that. And it's so amazing to see people that have put their trust in the Lord for those kinds of things and see God come through. Victor Marks, we had the privilege of meeting in the airport in Albuquerque, uh, you know, goes into these middle of of these war battles to rescue the weak and the innocent and these young girls and doesn't and I he goes right to the edge. I mean literally there's gun battles being both sides people are shooting at each other and God will move him to run out to grab like you see in the movie some little child or something trapped between the bullets and bring him back rescue them out of the hands of, of those sex, sex um, trade evil men that are trying to traffic them and stuff. Amazing. And he trusts the Lord for God's protection. And he has so many testimonies of God providing that protection. It's, it's really encouraging. So let's be praying this morning. Um, Juan Carlos and Lenny are on their way to the clinic to see if they will schedule his surgery. So it's not for sure yet. Uh, we thought they'd already had it scheduled, but uh, we need to pray that they will let him. And um, we're going to be praying for his young friend. Oh, we had to pray for Yuvia's mom, too. They're going to operate on her today. I thought it was yesterday. So anyway, they're going to um, they're gonna operate on her and um, praying that her cancer is benign. So let's be praying for that. And Maria Elena, who has cancer, she had her cataracts removed yesterday, so we want to pray that God continues to do that healing today, that she can feel really good today. So let's be praying. Father, thank you for this morning. Um, all that you're doing, God, with the, the many people that are going through surgeries or about to and, and are getting various diagnoses, whether they have cancer or not. We think of Carmen. And God, we pray that you touch and heal her uh, in God in your strong name that she find out that and she, her cancer is treatable. And uh, if it is cancer, Father, and that if it's that there's a good and effective and hopefully easy way to deal with her cancer and cut it out, get it out quickly. We pray for um, Yuvia's mom now as she is going to be going into surgery, God, today, that you would really have a a peace, help her have peace, her and you and the rest of the family, 
as she goes in for this surgery today in Mexico City. Um, so thank you. Help give Yuvia peace as she's not being able to do with her mom right now. And um, peace for everyone involved. And just, Father, we pray the surgery goes really, really well today. Thank you for Maria Elena and her cataract surgery yesterday. We pray that now she can uh, see better and her eyes will feel good. She won't have any adverse reaction, God. And we also want to pray for her cancer at the same time, God, that you can do a miracle. As, as we see over and over in the Bible, you can do a miracle when it seems impossible. Touch her body, Father, we ask, and heal and, and um, help her feel good, Father, with no, no lingering uh, side effects. And we want to pray for Juan Carlos and Letty as they're going to the clinic to see if they can get their his uh, surgery scheduled. Give them favor, Father, in the eyes of the doctors. Help them realize the surgery should happen immediately. So, Father, um, help them just receive the report that they need to hear today, that everything would go super good. So thank you for, for those issues, Father. We thank you for those you're bringing into church, the new people, the blessing we have of fellowshipping together. For those that are longing to know you more, we pray for our youth, God, that need to fall in love with you. Our youth that need to find that strong relationship with you. The world is trying to steal them away and destroy them. We pray against the uh, the cell phones and the d- disruptive technology that is trying to come in the back door and steal the hearts away. Like Absalom did the people, God. We know the enemy wants to steal the hearts of our youth away unto himself. So we pray against that, God, that you would... Um, do a wonder and a work in the hearts of our youth group that they would really, really get serious about their walk with you. Use those who are going to help us with the VBS, God. In a very powerful way, bless them. And even tomorrow, uh, Father, for this thing here at the house with the young ladies, God, may you use that whole little gathering tomorrow to be uh, a blessing and draw those young women close to you, Father. So thank you for that. Thank you for all that you are doing um, amongst us here in our city, and may you continue to do it in, with my brothers and sisters who are, are over in Canada, in the U.S., different parts of Mexico. Thank you, God. Ask you continue to raise up men in our church, God, that bring them to have a serious, uh, serious commitment to you and a serious walk, ready to serve. And God, these these retired men as well. We just pray that they would not sit on the sidelines, but they would. Be the Elijahs, be the Pauls that are willing to take out, take great steps of faith and uh, be be ready, God, to go into the battle as you have freed them up from their responsibilities of uh, work, of what they've done for years now, being able to use their free time for your kingdom. Pray for all of those that come to our church and those who haven't been a while, been back in a while, that you would bring them, God, so that we can rally together and we can support and encourage one another. So thank you, Father, for all of these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. That'll do it for now. So thank you, guys. We will see you tomorrow. Now, I got my days mixed up. I, th- I said the thing was tomorrow though, for the girls. That's Saturday. No, today's Friday, right? Okay, I am so messed up on my days because we, we did the mission yesterday. <laughs> and because, so today 
is the mission. Okay, I'm not messed up. Last night was church. We're going to the mission today. Tomorrow's Friday. Saturday is the thing for the for the, the young ladies here. So <laughs> apologize. I got my days mixed up. So keep uh, let's keep keep our day straight. Keep me straight on what I'm doing. Um, thank you guys for praying for us and for encouraging us. Uh, we get encouragements from you guys through the through the, the little text you send while we're online or or from emails. It's very encouraging. We need it. We love it. I uh, do encourage people to listen to the podcast. And I'm going to call Calvary Albuquerque one more time. They they were interested in putting the podcast on the radio station, or at least we, my only request was maybe they put an ad for it to let more people uh, know about it. So I appreciate if you guys would pray, pray for that opportunity to have a huge outreach if they were at least to even announce that we have a podcast on the radio station would be a blessing. So be praying for that. Let's see what God wants to do there. So we will see you tomorrow, same time. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day. Keep looking up. Bye-bye.